Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Prop Swap Podcast. We are your hosts, Ian Epstein and Luke Pergandy. And we are also the founders of PropSwap, the first marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We've got another great episode for you. Uh, This week, we did an interview with a veteran sports better. uh, Goes by the name of Brock. Uh, Did not want his last name shared for for security purposes, but uh, we get into... uh, his history of sports betting, um, his strategies, uh, some good stories. Uh, Luke, you're, you've known Brock for a, a few years, yeah? Yeah, probably six years. Uh, I mean, honestly, besides our customers, from a social perspective, far and away the biggest gambler I know. Well, and that's saying something because we've we have come across quite a few you know big sports bettors uh, over our years. So. Um, We'll just get right into the interview. Uh, it goes a little long, but, uh, but yeah, please uh, please enjoy our talk with uh, with Brock. And we are here with longtime veteran sports better Brock, a uh, friend of the company, um, has has done some business with us in the past. Uh, but we wanted to we wanted to have Brock on to talk about his life uh, as a sports better. Um, and so we'll just get started here. Uh, how, how did you get into into sports betting? Yeah, thanks, guys. Nice to uh, finally be on. Longtime fan of the uh, business. Love your guys' podcast. Um, happy to join. So, oh, God, where do I start? So, I think the first, I, I tried thinking about this earlier. The first bet I ever really actually remember making, I was in, I think I was in eighth grade, the fall of 98. Uh, my uncle, who's a big sports better and has some crazy stories of his own, paying bookies at random boats and bags of cash. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he bet me that, uh, what's his name? Mark McGuire would get to 70 and I took the no on that. I said no. And it was only like 50 bucks, but that was kind of like my first foray into losing. Cause I remember when he hit 70, he called me and my mom was like, I can't believe you bet my, ne- my son, you're just <laughs> betting your nephew and drag him into his life. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he didn't let me, or he didn't make me pay it, but that was like my first bet that I remember making as a kid. Uh, and then I think in high school, I started betting um, small, like $25, $50 parlays on March Madness. I remember like doing pools. And I remember thinking one year I won the school pool in uh, in March Madness. And I was like, man, if I can pick like all these games so well or better than everybody else, I should just start betting on them straight. That was kind of the general thinking of it. Um, and then in college, carried in there. That's when I started doing like $100 parlays, I remember. Um, had a friend that would put bets in for me. I forget what the app was or do a bookie or whatever. Uh, I would sit around and before practice, I was a college athlete, uh, I would just do a bunch of research on lineups, injury reports. It was like all NBA and baseball uh, parlays, like six or seven teamers for like 50 to 100 bucks. I did pretty well my senior year. I think I made like ten or twelve thousand dollars all in. Uh, and I remember the guy telling me because my buddy was horrible at betting. He lost like way too many zeros uh, to keep count of. But they were always like, "Man, if your guy was betting straight and betting like you, he would be killing us." But I was just at these small little parlays. So that's kind of where like confidence and like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I could I could break the book or whatever uh, start to set in. And then uh, yeah, that was just kind of the beginning of how it all got got going from middle school through college 
And for the listeners, where was high school and where was college? Grew up in the Bay Area. I uh, went to Cal. Uh, so, you know, I guess you could say I got a high IQ, good math guy. Was My best class ever was statistics. I think I got 110% once. Uh, that was my only class I ever got an A-plus in in college. So, you know, that added to the belief that I could analyze uh, all the stats and numbers and what whatnot. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm a Cal guy. We uh, we benefited greatly while I was there from some of the best football players uh, coming through the program in, in school history. Aaron Rodgers, Marshawn Lynch, Deshaun Jackson uh, was a hell of a ride. We've we've fallen quite significantly from those days. You mentioned that you were uh, very well versed in, in statistics, right? That was, that was your best class and um, yep. you kind of fancy yourself a numbers guy. Was there a point in your sports betting where it kind of just went where it, it it moved from like, Oh, like I like this guy or, you know, just kind of what you're seeing with your eyes. And then it kind of moved to more of a statistical analytical approach when you started making these bets. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, for a lot of people and just casual betters out there, like you're going to want to bet your team, right? You're not looking at analytics or batting averages versus a certain pitcher or weather forecast or how the ball travels at night versus daytime. Like, all of those things uh, for an average person, like they're not really taking any of that in consideration. They might throw 25 bucks on their, on their team. It could be the Mets or the Reds or the 49ers or whoever, right? They're just betting on players. And if they're betting on statistics, right? Like they probably take the over as an average fan on like Christian McCaffrey yards. Cause they want to root for that in a game. It's kind of like fantasy. Uh, but I would say, yeah, it was that senior year after that. I don't think it was the, the catalyst wasn't the stats class, but uh i just in between practice and class i would sit there and read these uh these injury reports uh and try to get a little bit of an edge this is before covers and all these other sites were putting out research on like who they thought was going to win it's been obviously a massive uh increase in that kind of content uh, over the last decade or so um but yeah you had to kind of really i guess you could call it handicapping i was i wasn't looking at the game and coming up with a line that I thought it should be like a lot of handicappers might say they do. Um, I just, I would look at how a team has performed on the second half of a back-to-back or, you know, if a key guy was out, how many, you know, minutes he averages and how a team might be affected by that lack of production. So uh, it worked out. Like I said, I think on any given day, my parlays, I would go like, five for six, six for seven. And then I'd hit the ones where I'd go five for five, five six for six uh, and made, made some good money for a college kid. Uh, it was great. Paid for my uh, two week vacation after college graduation in Hawaii. <laughs> Big Hawaii guy. Rock is. Big Hawaii guy. <laughs> Love Hawaii. Um, how much do you think you gambled from college until now? Oh man. Uh, I mean, not Phil Mickelson numbers, but uh, <laughs> but it's up there. I mean, the thing about when you bet not cash. So I've made cash bets, obviously, in casinos. You go up to a book, you, you place a, a cash play. You know, that's probably the safest way to go, cash plays. Uh, when you get a line uh, and it's not deposited funds, you can get kind of crazy. So, so you're, was, you're talking about like, like, like uh, a, a line of credit. Yeah, you get a line of credit with with a bookie or something. Um, you can have say a hundred thousand in bets that you can make, and on any, any given Saturday of college football, starting at nine a.m., 
I'm probably putting all 100,000 in uh, for the first slate of games uh, and then just rolling that all day long until Pac-12 after dark. So if you do the math on any given Saturday, you could be looking at 500,000 plus wager. You're not going to lose that because you're just playing the odds like 50-50, right? And you, you bet more if you're up. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think about some of the years and times that I've been the most active. Uh, I think, just to give you an idea, last year, last week of the year for the Super Bowl, I bet $1.9 in a week. So all, all all on the Super Bowl, or you're saying like just like no, it was on college basketball. Got it. Uh, I think there was only what, what's what's happening in that time of year. I don't think yeah, it was just college basketball, NBA, NBA NHL. Yeah, yeah, NHL playoffs. Um, and so what what do you have a sport that you know a sport you specialize in, or is it really are you digging into basically all all the major sports? Uh. I've bet on everything. I see those memes about guys that are like up at 4 a.m. and they wake up and they look at their phone to see which Chinese ping pong team won. Like, <laughs> I've done all that, man. I've, I've bet on uh, cricket. I have no idea what the rules are when uh, India is playing Australia or Sri Lanka. Honestly, I couldn't tell you a single rule of cricket. Uh, but I can honestly say that I have had action on cricket at 4 in the morning without having a clue what was going on. I've bet on chinese league basketball german league basketball again without knowing where the teams are based a single player on the team just really looking at statistics kind of comes into play like quick calculations of okay if i'm betting on the over of this game uh what how much time is left in this quarter like i've bet on a third quarter in a guangzhou basketball game like i, I like and, and there's some sick rationalization that goes into why I'm taking one side of it. But at the end of the day, you can't really bet that much on those kind of bets live. Uh, yeah. But uh, it's really just like a, it's got to go over or under. There's only two definite outcomes. So uh, roll it and see how you do. But, yeah, I've, I've, I've bet on everything. Tennis, big live tennis better. If the favorite, like Djokovic, loses the first set, hammer Djokovic live, you're getting way better odds then pre-match um you know see golf i bet i bet golf tournaments live i tend one of my theories on golf is like when you look at the first round or second round and look at the live odds go with like the fourth guy on the list because uh the favorite you're never gonna hold the lead through for the full four rounds fourth guy probably has some value so i mean we can get into all kinds of crazy uh yeah uh the stuff but yeah you just safe to say i've bet on everything yeah well i i, I want to come back to the to the live betting kind of hedging um strategy that uh that we i know we talked about offline but um uh i was i was curious do you work with anyone else you know in terms of like pooling information you know uh billy walters uh the yeah, his new book came out recently and he's been in the news and you know he was in a group and you know people kind of contributed diff different information um you know, to help create, you know, their picks. Do you work with anyone else or is it, is it all just kind of like solo um, digging into the information? Um, I don't use any, like, I mean, I have friends, right? That right. everybody 
I mean, including Luke, like, hey, where, where, do you, where are you at on this? Like, what do you think about this guy's injury, right? If, if somebody on the Eagles O-line is out, like, how do we think that's going to affect this game, right? What are you hearing? What are you feeling? Uh, but, not, I mean, when I get – when I start to question myself is when I start to go to that extra information, like I mentioned, covers or Athlon Sports. Right? And I don't want to put plugs into any of these random sites, but there's a lot of content out there. And typically what I'll just type in is, like, Toledo versus Central Michigan pick. And then there's like 40 articles that pop up and there's a little spiel. And the first 90% of the article is just regurgitating stats. And then like the final paragraph is the guy's actual pick. And honestly, it helps a little bit, but all you're really looking for when you do that is validation for which way you were leaning before you read the content. And uh, if that first article or second article is against that, you just keep looking until you find one that agrees with you. And then you feel safe with your toledo matching bet in the snow uh taking the over because you think that uh nobody's gonna have any traction so let's let's yolo bet the over um so we'll uh we'll we'll, we'll start off with it with a good story but uh what would you say is like what was your your biggest win slash just like best gambling story you've you you have man i got some good stories Gambling, probably the best gambling story is card related. So I won't, I won't tell you that one. Maybe we can get into that one if you want to hear a table game story. Uh, but the biggest win I ever had, and just one hell of a roller coaster. Uh, 2016, you know, I bet baseball all summer, and I would watch the Cubs. You know, they could be down nine nothing, and they would come back in the bottom of the ninth and win ten to nine. I mean, all summer long, that team had some incredible magic. Uh, so right when the season ended, uh, I flew to Vegas, went to two books. The the win, I shopped around. You know, anybody listening definitely suggests you shop around if you want to bet a big futures bet. Don't just fire it online. Go to Vegas. There's, I don't know how many books in Vegas, 40 books. Walk around. They all have different lines. You can shop the best line. Yeah, so that end of that year, I went, I think it was a total of uh, – I think it was a 13K bet and a 12K bet on the Cubs to win the World Series. At uh, I think I got them at four to one. So 25, you know, paid out 100,000. Uh, and if I can recall this correctly, the wild card round, they played the Giants and beat them in four pretty handily, my home team. So I'm at parties and guys are all rooting for the for the Giants, and I'm just sitting there like, <laughs> Giants, let's go Cubs. Uh, and then next round was the Dodgers, who obviously are not an easy team to take down. They're, they've been stacked for the last decade and probably have the best winning percentage in the last decade in all of baseball. So that was the uh, NLCS, got through that, and then the infamous series against the uh, the Indians, now Guardians. Uh, I don't know if they won game one, but everybody knows that they went down 3-1. And I was pretty nauseous, sick to my stomach. It's just like the Indians are going to win the World Series. And one of my best friends is from Cleveland. And, you know, he's a huge Browns fan and Indians fan. And he's got, you know, uh, Cavs tattoos all over his body. And I'm just like, I'm never going to hear the end of this from him. Uh, but I just had faith that that team was going to come back. So, you know, we, uh, we won game five, made it 3-2. One game, 
four back in Chicago or game six. And then uh, I think the Indians had, yeah, they did. They had a uh, home field advantage. So game seven was in Cleveland, mm-hmm. uh, which was a crazy game. If you, if you re- recall it all, some of the craziest things you'll ever see in a single baseball game happened in that one game. So starting with Dexter Fowler leading off the game with a home run, uh, not going to see that every day. Uh, then they pulled Kyle Hendricks when he was dealing and everybody was like, what are they doing? Lester came in, uh, to relieve Hendricks and immediately threw a wild pitch, which scored two runners from second and third, which you're never going to see two runners score on a wild pitch, let alone in the world series. Uh, that was after the Cubs were up five to one and were cruising. Mind you, I took my entire family to, uh, to Tahoe with my like six month old son to watch this because I needed to be there in person to cash it in case they won. Uh, but, uh, or I don't know if I had some weird idea of like hedging in game seven or something, but anyway, took the whole family up to Tahoe. We're sitting in the suite. I'm pacing. I drank an entire case of Evian water. Uh, my wife had no idea the bet was on, uh, although she might've figured it out because I literally doused, I think 36 water bottles uh, during the entire game. So the game gets tied up. As you all know, Rajay Davis comes in, hits a home run off of Chapman. It was the first home run uh, Chapman had given up since he was acquired in the trade uh, at the deadline all year. Hits it off the foul pole. Rajay, not a home run guy. He's on to steal bases. Uh, So another crazy thing you will see. Uh, And then it goes to the extra innings. Uh, There was after the rain delay. I mean, just a whole bunch of stuff. Finally, the Cubs won and it was like the biggest relief ever just to finally hit. I mean, I make a lot of futures bets. Luke is constantly telling me to sell them. That was one that I, I don't think you guys were around in 2016. I, I might've sold that one when it was down three, one for pennies on the dollar. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, they won it. And uh, I flew to Vegas the following week and cashed out, which was amazing. Next so, figure. Yeah, um, but I think I think that's a good transition though to talk about your hedging strategy in general. Um, obviously, you didn't hedge uh, that bet, and you know, down three one, it's, it's you know, you're not getting great odds on that on that hedge. But um, just in general, what is kind of your your hedging strategy if if you do have one? So you get scorned enough, and you lose on some crazy ass comebacks or tip backs or hail marys or weird. Wookie, wookie, woo, woo, or whatever Van Pelt says. Uh, yeah. the, the 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 safeties to end the game that either puts it over or covers the spread. You lose enough of those in I don't know. What I said ninety eight. Like how many years is that? We're talking about twenty five years. Yeah, uh, yeah. Believe in hedging heavily. Uh, so general strategy is you know obviously if you can get out of a ticket entirely and sell it on prop swap, that's a, a huge way to go. If you're going game to game. Uh, I think we talked about it a little bit earlier. One of my worst beats was the North Carolina Villanova game. You have an opportunity at halftime in that game. I had North Carolina winning it all on a futures bet and Villanova was down seven and was plus two in the second half. Got a, I didn't then, but a hundred percent would now take the plus two second half and try to middle it. Any, any opportunity in an NFL, if you're betting game to game, which we can get into my general thinking on, on how to, bet as a beginner uh if you are going to bet every game or game to game and you get an opportunity to middle just based on the odds always kind of hitting where vegas says they're going to be 
you got to believe this is statistics, right? The reversion to the mean. So if the, if a team's getting blown out, but Vegas only had it at plus seven and you're on the side that's winning, there's probably a good chance they're going to come back and make it closer than the 20 point blowout at halftime. Uh, so hedge that for sure. And if you get lucky, you get the middle. If not, you lose the big. Yeah. Yeah. I think your portfolio, it seems like you've shifted more towards futures than straight bets. Why do you think that is? Yeah. A lot of that is due to, uh, just the consumption of time. I mean, and, and also the randomness of outcomes. I mean, the Jags case in point yesterday were one of the big teams that people were predicting to dominate in AFC this year. Texans rookie quarterback. Look at all the other rookie quarterbacks struggling. Uh, I forget what they were. They were like 12 point dogs yesterday. What was the line yesterday on the Jags Texans? 12 and, hook. 12 and hook might be right. I mean, all signs, whether that game or the, the Cowboys being 12 and a half to the Cardinals, like those are, those are automatic wins. Uh, and because of those kind of random outcomes like that, you just, it's tough to through the years and again, 25 years of going through those kind of beats when you have, I mean, everybody in survivor leagues had the Cowboys yesterday or maybe the Jags and, or, you know, you build an eight team parlay on any app you're betting on or any site or any book you're betting on. And you're just throwing Jags and Cowboys on the money line, right? As, as the, to get the little bit of tiny extra juice you can get when a team's minus 13, it's not that much. It's not really worth it, honestly, because it doesn't add that much, but I mean, all those parlays, teasers and survivor, they're, they're all done. So you go through enough of that pain, you start to say, is it really worth trying to guess and or the time it takes to bet? Like I said, in college, I'm reading all these injury reports. Like it just, when you have a family and kids and it's too much emotionally every week to go up and down. So yeah, shifting to, to futures bets, there's uh, far less risk and randomness on a weekly basis. Uh, if you have a Jags futures bet you're still very much alive uh and yesterday doesn't matter right but if you bet in game to game you're negative 100 percent on your bet so uh, there's if you do your research you know sports there is a uh big advantage in picking a team you like i mean i'm a big niners fan the niners were 10 to 1 at the beginning of the year uh Obviously, they went through what they went through last year. They have one of the best rosters, if not the best rosters this year. The only question mark was Brock's elbow. I think last I saw them, they're down to six to one. You're immediately yeah. in the green. You got a site like PropSwap. You can sell that. Uh, they're going to lose games. They're not going undefeated, right? So why stress the, the weekly? I don't know. if They might have covered in every game, too. I think they might be 3-0 against the spread. Uh, they pushed famously because McVay went for the field goal. Uh, that other week although it did open at plus eight so they didn't cover if you got it in early one bit of advice wait till two minutes before kickoff to get your bets in because uh, you just never know who's gonna fall off their bike or tear an achilles or step on some stairs and blow out their you know acl walking to the walking to the stadium so some people like to get lines in early because they're going to shift or you know move in their favor you know super bowl bets always shift because of the amount of money that comes in on them but I'm a firm believer. You got to make sure you know which 22 guys are playing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting guess. Cause yeah, people like to say bet early, but, um, but really it's all just about getting the, the best, the, you know, the best closing line you, you, you possibly can. Um, 
And, uh, you know, to, to your point about the, the kind of the uh, outliers, like uh, we see examples like coming up in these MLB playoffs where uh, if you were to bet a team to win the World Series and maybe they're an underdog in game one of, of round one, um, if they win that game, like the increase in the market value of your futures bet is greater than what you would have gotten uh, on, on the money line. And, of course, if they lose, like, you know, you're, you're still alive there. So, uh, yeah, never, I, not to interrupt, but, yeah, I've never understood the missed price like this game and the series bet are not aligned with if they actually win this game you know what i mean like the value and the jump in the futures bet on either team is not aligned directly as a one-to-one ratio of the odds on the money line for those games which you would think vegas would make them perfectly aligned yeah um but you know different markets with different risk pools and um but uh, but before we uh, we wrap this up, um, uh, I know I, I had one more one more question. Um, what are for you, by the way, if you want to hear uh, one, but feel free to ask me your next question. Yeah, no. Um, what are two of your f- uh, favorite futures bets um, you, you're, you're looking at for uh, for the season? Yeah, so uh, I think I texted Luke this, but uh, look, the reality is the Cowboys, Eagles and uh, 49ers are the three best teams in the NFC. Uh, Lions are good, sure. I don't think anybody in their right mind thinks that the Lions are going to go Super Bowl. They maybe win a divisional round game, wild card weekend, cool. Uh, Niners, Cowboys, and Eagles, if they stay healthy, are the three best teams in the NFC. So futures bet I like. It's not a single team, but if you were to bet all three, I think they're all three to one or greater to win the NFC. You're guaranteeing yourself a single unit win. Uh, it's not the sexiest payout. I have a second one that's a little bit sexier, and I'll give you some reasoning behind it. Uh, but I, I like the triple bet of those three teams to win the NFC. I think they were plus 380, plus 380, and plus 310. So you're either winning 180% or 110% on your bet if you bet them equally. Yeah, like I said, my only pushback to that is the Lions, but I agree with you. Run this simulation 100 times, I do think – you know, it will be one of those three teams 90% of the time. Um, so I like it. All right, what's the uh, last question? Ian? Um, well, so, go on. Yeah. Uh, so preseason, the number one bet team to win the uh, national championship CFP was LSU. I don't know if you guys follow those markets, but they were the heavily bet popular team to win it with Jaden Daniels. Positive end of last year. Uh, so they lose to Florida State in week one national tv big game they get smacked they jump to 40 to 1 i don't know where they're at now but that's incredible value in a conference where alabama's down that's really their only tough test they got to go to tuscaloosa if they run the table win the sec you're going to get that down to five to one four to one three to one uh if they make the cfp which the sec is always going to have a champion in the uh cfp uh the value there versus the preseason and now is a lot of value, I think, considering the Florida State game really doesn't affect whether or not they're going to get into the CFP. You're just betting that they're getting into the CFP and the Florida State game doesn't affect that, in my opinion. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I'm still seeing LSU at 50 to 1 at FanDuel, um, but I agree with you. 10 to 1 and they lose week one, which means absolutely nothing. Yeah. It was an in-conference game. They opened up with Alabama, and then now they're fighting in the conference to win the, you know, SEC West or whatever they're in. Sure, then they they got they need some help, but they control their own destiny. 
run the table in the SEC, and you're getting an immense value on that ticket. Yeah. No, outside of that first game, and obviously that's 25% of the season, but I agree with you. They've looked really sharp. They they laid the wood on, on Mississippi State last week. Yeah, and, and Bama's down this year. They don't really have a quarterback. They go to Tuscaloosa. They handle business. You're in, you're probably – they go to Alabama and win that game. They're probably back down to 10-1. to 1. Yeah, so uh, – and this maybe this goes back to our earlier, earlier conversation. They are currently 5-1 to one to win the SEC and 50-1 to one to win the – national championship and to your point the, the winner of the sec is 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 going gonna to have a spot in the playoff and um but yeah and and actually crazily enough alabama has lower odds to win the sec than lsu does alabama's plus 350 um and lsu is is five to one and i think everyone can agree that this uh, might leg- not be uh bama's leg- year as legacy legacy odds i would say same yeah. reason Chiefs are the favorite to win the super bowl despite not anywhere close to what the talent is on some of these other teams, including the Dolphins. That's just Mahomes. That's yeah. Mahomes and Saban factor. Yeah. Well, um, we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up here. Um, thank you so much for, uh, for taking some time out to, uh, to talk to us and giving us some, uh, some advice, but uh, we'd, uh, we'd love to have you back on um, later in the football season. If uh, you'd like to come back on. Yeah. I'd love to. Can I leave you with one, uh, one horrific story? Not mine, yes. but a close friend of mine. So, uh, what was it? 2017 Warriors, 73 and nine. Was it 2017, 2016? Uh, midway through the year, I think they were like plus 110, or they might have been even money to win it all. Uh, so my good friend uh, put 125 thousand dollars on the uh, the Warriors to win it all. And as you all know, everybody listening, they went up three to one on the Cavs. Poor Draymond got suspended, and uh, the Cavs at that point in time, not a lot of people are going to know this because it's hard to look up what series odds are six years later uh they were 20 to one to come back and win that series and i was like dude go throw twenty thousand dollars on the Cavs. you're gonna get more money back if they come back and win this somehow uh he's like famously nah dude that's a waste of twenty thousand dollars there's no way this team is losing three straight and i was like i mean you're guaranteed either a hundred and five thousand dollar win or a three hundred thousand dollar win so he didn't do it. Draymond got suspended, and uh, the rest is history with Kyrie hitting that shot. So lesson learned, either hedge by taking the opposite side or sell that ticket on PropSwap because at 3-1, to one, what do you guys think that ticket would have sold for up 3-1 to one if he was going to net out 250K? I think it would have sold for 240K? Yeah, I mean, look, if, if the Cavs were 20-1, to one, um, that would mean that with the comeback on, on the – on the Warriors would be like what minus five, you know, minus fifty thousand basically. So yeah, I mean, I would say that thing would sell for uh, yeah, I would say two thirty, two forty. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a lock, right? The uh, the worst part about it, well, the money's the worst part about it, but another uh, fun part about it or her favorite part about it is that he was sitting courtside uh, center court for the <laughs> game seven. <laughs> yeah, and well, about two weeks later, I went over to his house, uh, checked on him, and he was sitting there in his uh pajama bottoms and a t-shirt hadn't looked like he had showered since the game seven and he was watching the final five minutes of the game on repeat <laughs> like dude what are you doing he's like i can't believe they didn't score for the final 432 of this game i just can't believe it i'm like dude move on uh but yeah, yeah. and what, what we what we always say is would you feel worse selling the ticket for 240 and missing out on you know 10 to 20 grand or would you, or would you feel worse 
not hedging at all and it and losing. And I think we know we know the answer to that to that question. Here's the, um, here's the biggest thing, because uh, Luke always gets on me when I you know I didn't sell my UCLA ticket last year when Gonzaga or whatever uh, came back and beat him in the second half. Uh, the the better's mind is not about the money. Uh, it is about being right, and yep. and it's about the ego that boost that you get from being right so it's not about the twenty thousand he would have thrown on the Cavs. it was that he had this firm belief as did i in north carolina and uh you know any other futures bet i made that i i'm right why would i sell it's the valid you're looking for the validation to your ego that you could pick this right four three two months out you know when everybody else is going to be betting on all these games 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 you're like i'm fine I, i'm picking the winner so to sell it is tough against the ego but dollars and cents yes it makes absolute sense to sell that on prop swap or you know however else you can get out of that bet and lock in that value one thousand percent if you yeah. can get past the emotional egotistical side of betting that's yeah. right well um that's i think that's a great place to uh to finish up and uh yeah we uh we sincerely appreciate you taking the time and uh yeah we will talk to you soon thanks appreciate brock. You guys. thanks brock have a good one Thank you again to Brock for uh, for providing all those uh, insights. Uh, we hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, he also gave us uh, an additional staker swap uh, pick with uh, with his LSU. So uh, there, there's an extra one uh, in this in this podcast for you. But uh, without further ado, uh, we will get into Luke and I's uh, picks uh, for stake or swap. <laughs> First up, we will be talking a little college football, some more college football. Uh, Ohio State coming off their big win on the road uh, at Notre Dame. Luke, you were in attendance uh, for that epic game. Um, the currently eight and a half to one at FanDuel to win the CFP championship. Uh, we'll go with you first. Are you staking or swapping the Buckeyes? Yeah. Um, anyone is interested in watching those highlights, follow me on Instagram. I got some really cool videos and photos of it. Uh, it's just Luke Pergandy on Instagram. But, uh, you know, watch the full game. Of course, their receivers, I think, were the biggest takeaway from that game. Like, I walked into the game thinking Marvin Harrison Jr. was the best player in college football. And this Egduka guy might even be better than Marvin Harrison Jr., which is crazy. So um, I'm going to stake Ohio State to win the national championship. To me, it's it's pretty apparent it's going to come down to Michigan-Ohio State at the end of the season for who's going to win the Big Ten. So um, I trust Ohio State more this year because of those flashy receivers, and I think they'll be able to outrun the Michigan defensive backs. So uh, stake Ohio State at plus 850 at FanDuel, I think they go to the national championship at absolute worst, go to the CFP. You can flip it for three times what you paid for it. Um, yeah, well, I mean, look, I mean, uh, Ohio State's had a ton of good receivers come through there in, in recent years. You know, Chris Olave is, is doing well in the NFL. Uh, Jackson Smith, the Jigba. So, you know, they are wide receiver you for sure. But... Um, I am, I'm swapping, uh, Ohio state. 
uh, to your, your point, exactly right, right? They, they got to they gotta beat Michigan, which they have not done the last two years. Uh, the game is in Ann Arbor uh, this year. Michigan, you know, I realize they haven't played anyone that strong so far, but they've scraped, you know, who they have played, and their defense is, is crazy good. Uh, Ohio State also goes on the road at Penn State, um, which, uh, or sorry, no, sorry. Uh, um, it's it's in Ohio State. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it, game in Michigan, you know, full disclosure, uh, I am a kind of a Michigan fan. My whole fam- family went to Michigan. So, um, if they lose that game to Michigan, I, I, they're not going to go to the big 10 championship game and then they're not going to make the playoffs. So, um, for those reasons, uh, I am swapping, uh, Ohio state, uh, Moving on, uh, going to switch to a little baseball. The regular season is coming down uh, to the end, and uh, we're going to talk about the Texas Rangers, uh, currently 9-1 to one to win the World Series at MGM. Um, we've talked about this team before in previous podcasts uh, about the crazy ALS, AL West race, um, and the have... Um, they have kind of taken sole possession of first place and, and uh, with some games to go, the are the favorite right now to win it. Uh, and for that reason, I am staking the Rangers. Uh, they have won five in a row um, and 11 of their last 15. Uh, and I always talk about this. It's getting hot at the right time. When we, when we discussed the AL West race earlier and how the Mariners have played themselves into it, I think I did mention how I was like, well, like, the Mariners could be peaking a little too early here, right? And maybe, you know, and you were saying maybe the Rangers peaked, you know, too early in June, but they are clearly playing some of their best baseball right now. Um, they have the the second best run differential uh, in the AL, which again is a stat I kind of love. Um, the Rays are in first at plus 189, and the Rangers are plus 167. Um, and yeah, I mean, if they can if they can pull out this division race, um, I think nine to one is 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 good value. And that's compared to, you know, uh, they are seven to one at DraftKings, seven and a half to one at, at FanDuel. So um, kind of one of those, one of those rare teams right now where you can actually find a pretty big difference um, if you price shop. So for those reasons, I am staking the Rangers right now at nine to one. Yeah. I mean, look, this, this is the prop swap team of the year from in baseball. They were a hundred to one to win the world series, get down to nine to one. Now it's an incredible story. Um, I'm gonna swap. I'm gonna say the I'm gonna say the Orioles are are, are the prop swap team in, in baseball. They're both awesome. It's uh, if you aren't if you holding a 101 Orioles or Rangers ticket, you haven't sold it yet on prop swap, or at least made a hedge bet. You're you're a crazy person. I it's it's time. So for that reason, I'm swapping the Rangers. They play the Astros or the Twins in the next round, and they have a losing record versus both of those teams. So. Yeah, and look, I think one of those three teams is going to go to the World Series. I lean Astros just a little bit more hitting on uh, the other team from Texas, on the Astros, but I firmly believe that it will be Dodgers or Braves winning the World Series. So um, for those reasons, I'm going to swap the Rangers. All right. So uh, difference of opinions uh, on on these picks. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that turns out. And then also, yeah, I'm I'm definitely keeping my eye on on LSU. So uh, um, throw that in there in the, in the mix as well. So that will do it uh, for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and we will talk to you next week. 